0: Welcome to Intercom and Product. This is our eighth episode. I'm your host, Des Trainer, and I'm joined today by, as usual, Mr. Paul Adams. Hey, Paul. Hello there. And today we have a special guest who is our Senior Director of Product Design, Mr. Emmett Connolly. How are you, Emmett?
1: I'm feeling very special to be here, Des.
0: You're very specially (laughs) welcome. This is our 2019 Look Back, where we're going to talk mostly about things that happened this year and indeed this decade. Let's start with, I think, what was one of your favorite moments
2: of the year, Paul, the Cybertruck, you loved it. <laughs> Questions? Uh, yeah, I'd put this in the in the announcement of the year category, right? Uh, and not for all the reasons you might expect, like the kind of disastrous announcement itself—the like the whole like
0: break the windows. Okay, now yeah, the broken. windows
2: are break. Oh, okay. Next, I think it's brilliant, and I actually like the design of it. And 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 my point isn't actually whether you like it or hate it. What I like is that it's different. It's crazy. Like it looks ridiculous. It looks mm-hmm. insane, and it looks like it's from the future. I think that's awesome because if you look over the course of the decade that we're about to end, there's been so much assimilation in industrial design and product design. Everything is starting to look the same. Like I have the Google Pixel 4 here, my new phone. It is exactly the same as the iPhone. Like in in hardware, you know, cars on the street all look the same. Like if you pull all the badges off, they all look the same. And next thing, it's Cybertruck time. You know, it's like brilliant, amazing. Like even if it makes... People think twice about how much they hate it. That's Great. good. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think there's something interesting there. Like the internet, like I think about this a lot as, as it relates to like, say, building aesthetics. Like no matter what city I'm in these days, all hipster coffee shops look the exact same. Yeah. No matter what like hotel lobby I'm in, they all look the exact same. Like, there's this like epic convergence. That I, I think maybe the internet has just sped up. Maybe it was always the way in a sense. But like it does seem like that, like all products, and a product with the capital P in the broadest sense, they like quickly converge. Like it's almost like you know, we have this like evolutionary theory of product design where we really quickly find the the fitness function is established, the best is the best is adopted, and universally it spreads, and then and then absolute stagnation happens in and then somebody like Cybertruck comes out and says, All right, so you have all these rules and these Bezier curves and all that, F all that. Here's a here's a ridiculous thing that you'd barely make with Lego. And uh, <laughs> and that's what they achieved in a sense. Yeah. Emmett."
1: I wonder, as you were saying that, I was thinking about a time about 10 years ago now, I got to visit the a city design studio, like an innovation lab type place for a fairly well-known car company. And they were designing these amazing futuristic looking minority report like cars. And so I wonder what the Cybertruck will actually look like when it hits the road or if, yeah. if it ever hits the road. And It'd so be like it a maybe. Ford Focus with like a subtle change or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's kind like, of like, you know, like those dribble
0: redesigns where it's like, here's what IMDb could look like. And you're yeah. like, right, cool. But then reality kicks in. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. When in fact Craigslist
1: is probably okay the way it looks.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think the interesting thing, I think it's different though, in that it's not a concept car. Mm-hmm. It's actually the car.
1: Yeah, that and is truck. true. And
2: people have ordered yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So it, I think it can't look different, really. Yeah, it's, like a, it's not like it an AutoCAD. Thing. It's yeah. an actual thing. Yeah, and people yeah. Yeah,
0: bought it. Um, getting back onto things that our listeners might actually listen to us for, <laughs> what about products
1: that kind of, like software products that have kind of like characterized 2019, Emmett? So my job here is to run the product design team here in, in Dublin and London, and Figma was like clearly the bi- had the biggest impact on our team this year. And I think for our corner of the industry, for designers, it's been a the shift towards Figma has been a huge thing. Um, what does, like, what do you think that represents? Like, Figma, the best I
0: understand it is like it's like like the it's better than Photoshop and it's multiplayer uh,
1: in a sense. Like that that's my limited understanding of it. Like, I think the bigger story yeah. is probably the the move towards. You might just think of it, extremely well designed tools for getting work done. So you right. could probably lump the likes of Superhuman. Into this yeah. category as well, which which at some level is just a really well designed email client yeah. for getting email done fast, and and that's probably the other when we're doing design work, the product that's get gotten the most like name checking in yeah. the industry this year in terms of like superhuman for X being almost a new category of yeah. product that you might build or a new angle that you might take your own product in. For sure, superhuman has actually been called out quite a bit as like
0: the actual like breakthrough product of twenty nineteen. I think a lot of it is like really well. Deserved. Uh, It's it's you know it is undeniable that like we had not seen at least for like a decade a software product emerge by an independent team. I think there's like twelve people in total involved in Superhuman's creation, where they went to an irrational level of polish, like truly irrational, Mm. and they charged what might be considered like a pathological price for what is an email client, where everyone's base price is zero. And they came in saying it's $29 a month. And people are like, what the hell? What sort of email client could possibly be worth that? I think the, the macro shift that I'm impressed by there is, um, well, people are characterizing it as like luxury software. I think in general, the idea that if you use a, a thing every day, multiple times a day, that you should have, like you that it's potentially ROI positive for you to invest in the best possible version of it. I think that's starting to catch on, which is good. And then I think like, should Superhuman have like a a wild breakthrough successful, like uh, let's say objective success moment, like outside of the echo chamber in a sense? I think it'll be possibly the best case study of the ROI of software product design that we've seen in like decades,
2: potentially. Mm, mm.
0: What do you think, Paul? You're not a user, or are you a user?
2: No, I'm not. I don't use Superhuman. Uh, it's kind of a, I, I suppose ironic what you're just saying that I've tried to start using it multiple times and set up the onboarding, the custom onboarding, yeah. and ended up canceling, postponing. Right, yeah, and you haven't gotten around to start using it more yeah, so than you Yeah, like I've never using gone using through it. their manual onboarding process because right, it right, just it right. got scheduled and rescheduled, and then I kind of gave up. And And the reason I gave up was. It sounds like our meetings. You <laughs> <laughs> don't want to go there. It, the reason I gave up is, is that um, I use Gmail, and I actually think Gmail is really good. You know, the the kind of like decline in a Google inbox or the failure of Google, Google inbox, depending on how you think about it, because they merged some of the features into, into Gmail. Yeah. Uh, it's not like what superhuman represents to me isn't a big problem in my life. Yeah. So you know, the the, the money thing's interesting though because I I wonder is there a bigger thing going on here too, which is around people becoming more willing to pay for software. Yeah. Like as in people being like regular people, yeah. not like businesses. Yeah. You know, again going back to the theme of the decade. In the early part of the decade, like when the app stores started to come out and people were building apps, and it was a real you know, you mentioned this earlier, you know, we were chatting like a race to the bottom and um, over time, I think people, maybe the rise of um, direct to consumer has mm-hmm. helped her too, but people have started to appreciate that you need to pay for stuff.
0: Yeah. And good stuff is worth money. Good
2: stuff's yeah. worth money. Yeah. And that could be $3. Like yeah. a lot of things we buy online these days yeah. are $2 and $3. Yeah. And actually that kind of transactional nature of just buying stuff yeah. means that oh, well, if if, if Gmail's free and this thing's better, clearly it's not free. Clearly mm-hmm. it's like 10 bucks or whatever, 20 bucks, you know? Um, mm-hmm.
0: And that's okay. And that's okay. Right. At least, yeah, the pushback for Superhuman might be at the actual price point rather than the price. Like the idea of a price people might be okay with. Thinking about products that you started using this year specifically, uh, maybe I'll go first. At the start of this year, I was a Bear user. So bear.app is like a really, really high quality, let's say, note-taking app. I dare say it's like superhuman for note-taking, although it's a much smaller product space. Uh, Bear costs, I think a dollar forty nine a month, but it is undeniably the single best solution to note-taking I have experienced. And they, they there's a small team in Italy doing it, and I, I would guess they're doing wildly successfully well. Um, but it's just a really, just a beautiful everyday product. Let's say I use it 10 times a day, and it's, you know, they could honestly charge, and I hope they're not listening, but they could honestly <laughs> charge like 14 quid a month, and I wouldn't really blink. Uh, I think they're. Well, How much is it? It's one forty nine, one dollar yeah. forty nine a month, which, after your Apple taxes and all that sort of stuff, gets pretty cheap, basically for them. Yeah. However, I'm guessing like it's relatively a bug free product, so they could probably support millions of users and still do really, really well. And I hope they are.
2: Yeah.
0: What would your equivalent be?
2: It's, yeah, it's a fascinating question. The answer is productive. This app called Productive. I, I'm a sucker. Is it
0: productive spelled just like the word productive. Productive. Yeah. yeah as okay. in be, be productive. Yeah. yeah
2: cool. I'm a sucker for like the end of the year, this time of year, because. You know, I'm a big believer in like the first of January, even if it's a completely arbitrary thing. Mm someone made up thousands of years ago, but it's like a reset kind of mode. And so at the start of this year, I wanted to track my life better. Uh, And and the reason for that was to try and get a better balance. Like, am I spending enough time with my kids? And how much time am I spending work? And did I do this today? Was today a good day? And did I drink too much coffee, too much booze, you know, not enough running. Like, these are all kind of aspirational things that are a good life, if you Mm -hmm. like. And so this app, Productive, I kind of stumbled across it as a habit tracker and it has literally changed how i operate i use it every single day i have about 10 habits that i track in it and every at the end of every day before i go to bed i just go like you know some of them are like did i do it and some of them are i didn't do it and i just go tick 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 and now i have a record for the
0: whole year so you like design your life as to how you want to live and then just have a fill out a report card every day
2: yeah yeah and 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 then i'll kind of look at trends sometimes like and well, I, I really what I'm trying to do is like I'm trying to tweak. It's kind of like the the, the kind of theory of nudging, you yeah. know, in in habit building. Like I'm trying to nudge myself all the time, mm-hmm. you know. If I can, I, you know, we can all get up in the morning and go like, I'm oh, not going to drink for the whole month of yeah. you know, March. And that in reality, like life happens, you mm-hmm. know. Whereas this thing is just nudging you, nudging you. And so, like, if I didn't do a thing for m- multiple days in a row, or did do a thing that I shouldn't be doing multiple days in a row, I will look at it and go, oh shit, you know, I should probably, and I'll okay. just tweak my life in teeny tiny ways. But doing it every day, like I look back at the year and go like, wow, like I, I kind of, it's, a, you know, I, I don't want to say like I did it because yeah. it's not like really that black and white, but I'm better off as a result. Yeah, absolutely
1: sure. improved. Yeah. yeah. it Reminds me of uh, a friend of mine is an architect, like a building architect. And he was saying um, how one of the most important things he takes into consideration when giving people advice on their house is like, what kind of lifestyle, what's your idealized lifestyle that you want to have? If you like want to spend more time. Reading books, make sure to design a reading nook into your house and yeah. like mm. and your environment and all those little triggers and everything that you set for yourself will actually yeah. push you in that direction. Yeah. 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 What about so, you? At? What's your product um, of the year, the product you started using this year? Do you know you know the mattress company Casper? So Did you start using a mattress? This I did year? not sorry. I was using a mattress before now. So okay. yeah. You are from Galway, so we, the <laughs> we do not go there. Um they brought out, so they've been doing mattresses and then they do yeah. pillows and stuff. Yeah. And they brought out basically a bedside lamp called the Casper Glow. Okay. Didn't get huge amount of attention, I think. It's a really beautiful product. It's kind of a Internet of Things connected device product, mm-hmm. basically is the pitch. It's a smart nightlight. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like a HomePod, very sleek, right. sealed thing. Um, And you leave it on a, an inductive charging base and you interactions are really nice you flip it over to turn it on and off and you twist it around to adjust the brightness and then similar actually to what we were just talking about it gradually fades in brightness over time to encourage you to actually go to sleep on time and it's got that whole thing from a design point of view one of the things i really liked about it was it is an iot device but it works without connecting it to your wi-fi it works as a dumb device as well as a dumb nightlight And I'm kind of done with the IoT devices right now. for sure. So I didn't do any pairing and it still works great. And it reminded me of like graceful degradation. Yeah. That idea of an escalator that stops working, still works because it's set of stairs. Uh, Similarly, like this works really well and I don't want to go in and like change the hue or anything like that. So I'm happy with how it works. And I found myself really wishing that more technology infused household devices work that way, like a bit smarter, but still pretty dumb. Which yeah, is what totally I want from most of my devices. Don't make me fiddle with like Bluetooth
0: for like two hours right, only for right. it to sync with the wrong phone or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I I totally get that. The um there's a lot of interesting things in there. Like we could talk about like, you know, Internet of Things and what and what like I guess ultimately a failure that's been. we could also talk about like Casper is probably one of the iconic direct to consumer brands in a sense, which is again something that's kind of broken out of this decade. I think direct to consumer to me, like I've been shocked by how much? Even though I was kind of skeptical of the of the category, and I'm not even sure if it is a category, but like the idea, like that you can build an entire business online with a few Instagram ads, and if your product's good enough, you're you're good. I was kind of skeptical of that, and yet when I look around my house, I see so much direct to consumer stuff where I'm like, oh, I never realized I was buying all this shit all, all along. But like people were telling me, oh, you should buy this tell, you should buy that wallet, you should buy this phone cover, and I'm like picking them all up, only to realize afterwards that actually most of the products I've been buying of late have fallen into that category. What other DTC stuff have either of you picked up?
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch where DTC goes next decade or even next year. Uh, I was in the Glossier store in New York City mm-hmm. uh, a month ago. So my wife buys a lot of stuff from Glossier. It's direct to consumer. Yeah. They're primarily makeup, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went into the New York store because she was like, oh, if you're in New York, can you get a couple of these bits and bobs? So then I went and the store is wild. Like it's one of the craziest retail experiences I've been in in, in a long time and clearly the store isn't there like this is like new york it's like on broadway yeah. obviously crazy high uh, rent whatever yeah. they are clearly not looking to make money off that store you right. know it's an experience it's like it's just very hard to describe i took photos of it there's like robot things that deliver the the goods and like it looks like a pink cave inside mm-hmm. and the uniform it's like the few fu- it's like the future it's like uh the jetsons meets i don't know what cave and, and uh, it's probably the future in more than one way as well because like I, I suspect one way
0: like the argument of the, the mall of the future will just be allowed to shop windows where you can walk in but you don't buy the product there you pay for the product
2: there maybe yeah but like the product arrives at home
1: yeah that, that shop sound sounds like more of an ad than a shop yeah, yeah. totally yeah. yeah
2: totally totally 100 yeah. and so but it's but what's interesting to me is they have the the, the store so, so like why and why you know like they're a new york company and so maybe mm-hmm. there's just some uh sentiment sentimentality about the thing but, but like, like
0: don't like warby parker and like other places mm-hmm. do,
2: do similar like, like you could argue like maybe apple like
0: apple by all accounts run their most profitable stores in new york but like i bet they probably still do more revenue online right yeah like, i think does this it's an interesting transition where like it used to be online was the ads and real world was the purchase i do wonder like in the next decade will we see that actually invert where like basically the real world is just advertisements like physical in in-person advertisements for things that you should really be buying online
2: yeah, like a cyber truck. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: It, it might also be some reflection of like these things meet, meeting some balance. Like I was talking about, you know, everything going crazy internet of things. Yeah. And actually, I like it being dialed back a bit. And mm-hmm. and also, likewise, yeah. you could be like, wow, the future is just direct to consumer. I'm never yeah. going to a shop again. And yeah. yet you find yourself like yeah. Warby Parker now, you know, who would have been, I guess, one of the, the trailblazers here and now have tons of shops around the place, right? And yeah. so it's some sort of like, and, and meanwhile, yeah. um, a bunch of traditional retailers are building Our, like, out their online capabilities. And online. so like these things are all going to meet in the middle in yeah. some way. The other, um, the other thing your your little lamp reminds
0: me of, Emmett, is uh, I want to say like the astonishing failure of like the, the connected home, the internet of things, the idea that you can like, you know, WhatsApp your blender or whatever, all that sort of shit. <laughs> what, like what's gone so wrong there? And what will it take to go anyway right?
1: do you feel we're <laughs> yeah. looking at each other uh, well, yeah. uh, clearly clearly the uh, again back to my example of like I don't want to be dealing with my phone I just like I was literally setting up night lights for my kids right I yeah. didn't want to be like dealing with Bluetooth connection and so yeah. on and so the setup costs the, the cost to actually getting this all yeah. working versus the game it, I guess is, is so the problem high. right like and a lot of these things like all the smart ovens for example
0: at best at best they have some ability to like you can set a timer on your phone but you can always set a timer on an oven so the idea you can do on your phone yeah. isn't that dramatic. Yeah. And I think you can
1: trace this back to like your VCR from the 80s blinking yeah. 12 o'clock <laughs> yeah. forever, right? Yeah. Because like there was no point that, that yeah. you could set up the timer, but it wasn't worth it. Yeah, so. totally. And and I feel like it's still not worth it in some sense.
2: I, th- I think there's actually like an interesting thread running through this, which which is like, you know, me talking about productive and like habits and like mm-hmm. nudging and like now we're into like quiet the, the internet of things or, in, you know, connected home, not take off. Another thing that strikes me about this is, you know, the last decade's been probably the most stimulated decade in the history of humanity. We're Mm -hmm. like overstimulated, like all this stuff. Our phones are buzzing and our things are doing this and that. And so the idea, like even my phone alone, one simple small thing in my pocket, like driving me nuts half the time. The idea of having that in my house is now insane you yeah. know, my mm. house buzzing left, right, and center, and beeps yeah. and bops and things. Mm. So, like, I it, remember there was, there was some Alexa advert saying, "When you come home, Alexa can
0: read out your email." And I'm like, "That is the last <laughs> no. thing I want." Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely something there. I think the other funny thing is, I just think the tech never, the tech never really made it to the party. Like in that. Um, like everyone was working off their own standards and their own ideas and um, I saw it was it yesterday Apple, Amazon and Google entered this like open home
1: alliance or what, what's it called again? And Zigbee, don't forget Zigbee. Oh sorry, Zigbee <laughs> were in
0: there too you can never forget it's, it's called the uh, the connected over home IP alliance. Um, yeah. What a name. Yeah, it, it, this whole thing reminds me of do you remember like when Android was basically shit and Google were running around the houses trying to get people to sign up for the open handset alliance yeah. and I remember reading at the time I think it was John Gruber said like you don't see Google trying to form an open search alliance do you like there's something valid to the idea that like you set up these alliances that it is in it's us against the world or whatever when your product category isn't winning and what's so unique here is that apple are in it apple everyone just presumed behind the scenes was working on something that like would have emerged and it would have looked at all the existing standards and given them two fingers and kind of just pressed on with whatever uh whatever they wanted to do and everyone else would have to catch up or get on with it Much like they've done in pretty much every other area, FaceTime, iMessage, you name it, right? We don't care about your standards, here's ours. Somehow, this thing, with Apple's backing, Amazon's backing, and Google's backing, you kind of feel like if they can't make it work, then either 2020 to 2030 will either be the decade of the smart home, or it turns out the smart home's just not going to ever happen. Yeah.
1: You, you're totally right about those standards alliance things. Like I can think of other examples like Google did open social back when they were perhaps playing... Cast that they were, failing, with at their socials, yeah, they were yeah. failing at social. When they were failing at social. And um, they also had a messaging standard. Whose oh, name no, Gidget, oh was it, RTS it was or RTC or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I don't yeah. get what's in it for those because I would have thought that all of those companies fancy their own chances of being the winner takes all kind of winner in those. So I'm not sure why they're doing that.
0: I I do wonder, is it that there's just so many different products such that like, you know, they're like, you know, Kenwood's going to make your fryer and Bosch is going to make your oven and Samsung's going to do your fridge. And and like, does Apple, Amazon or Google think that they're going to do all of that? Like, maybe it's just easier to be like, hey, we're going to be the three of us will agree on some protocol for a hub. And maybe, like, maybe like the HomePod slash Google's, whatever it's called, Google's Daydream, whatever Daydream I want to become, slash the Amazon Echo will become just the thing that controls all the things. And the three of them have agreed effectively to divide Rome in a sense, mm. or divide home, I guess. And then I think Apple are probably backing themselves. Sorry, it's on, got that guy again. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was yeah. great. So, what you did was actually um, very good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I think, um, Apple are probably backing themselves in the same way they'd back themselves in, in the phone handset thing. Like, we're going to have the best product. And Amazon are probably backing themselves in the way they always would, which is we're going to have the cheapest product. Mm. And I bet you that Google are backing themselves, saying we're going to be the product that 90% of the market uses and we're going to sell ads. Yeah. And and maybe all three like will win uh, depending on the type of home you want to be.
1: They essentially care about the hubs and not the spokes. I, I think yeah.
0: that's probable because otherwise you have to go and build blenders and I just can't see any mm. like, like Jokes aside, like, there's no way that they could actually get into building all of these devices specifically because the money's not there. Like people change their fridge once a decade. They change their phone once a year. Like there's just no money to be had in fridges. This is is why tech companies are more expensive. uh,
1: And and conversely, like the blender manufacturer is really struggling to satisfy three protocols at once. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it turns out they're not a dab hand at Bluetooth either. Right. Um, (laughs) So I know, but there is an interesting thing there. Like this is like the first open initiative in a while that I felt actually had a chance. And like, there has been this sort of theme of like over the last 10 years or so, of like the death of openness in a lot of ways. Like we've seen a lot of like this kind of buzzer at open source kind of sort of dialed down a bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Probably with the rise of SaaS and like, effectively, like the death of the file format. And like, you know, everything is now like, you know, you were mentioning Figma earlier. You don't send me your Figma files. You send me your Figma URLs or whatever. I do wonder, are we like looking at like a future where, like the idea of something being open is actually relevant we're we basically just collecting walled gardens in the tabs of our browser and never shall the two speak or if they do speak it's through some middleman like zapier or if this then that type thing but there's basically like you know the idea of having like a piece of information in a file that controls what your design is for the next messenger home screen or whatever is just gone it's like literally dead what do you think
1: yeah, I think that's true. Uh, definitely, if you think about it at the decade level, I think yeah. the decade before this one, you think Web two point everything yeah. was incredibly connected. It was very webby, and and certainly there's been a consolidation of things. If I think about the f- the file system thing, yeah. uh, like that probably has as as much to do with things moving into the cloud and then and the phone's t- not really supporting them either. Yeah, know. that's true. Yeah. I suppose I'm thinking about desktop even moving yeah. to the cloud, but like. And then the file system doesn't, no one seems to have made it work. I guess Dropbox is the exception, but their file system more lives on your device and syncs with the cloud. Like Google Drive might have done an awful lot (laughs) (laughs) unbeknownst to itself to kill the file because they have a file system. It's just very hard for most people, I think, to figure out how that works. And you end up sharing URLs over Slack instead. And that's the new... And yeah, file system in some sense. Yeah, well, yeah. Search is the new file system. Yeah, like exactly. System. Search yeah. plus
0: messaging is the new like browse plus explorer, whatever. Mm. Right? Like, which is kind of crazy.
2: Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that episode two of Offscript, our new series of candid conversations with Intercom, all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing, is out now on YouTube. Here's a teaser featuring our chief product officer, Paul Adams, discussing AI-first customer service. The best place for me to start is that technology only moves in one direction. Once you go through these like before-after moments, You never go back. AI has clearly already shown us that it can help in transformational ways. It has given us a new way to do customer service and that new way is AI first. The business that provides incredible customer service is the business that will win and the earlier that people lean into this completely new mindset, the earlier they can deliver this incredible holy grail type of customer experience, it's a huge opportunity for businesses to literally change how people think about them. It's just a matter of time. That's all to come on episode two of Off Script. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel right now, and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now back to today's episode.
0: Going with the idea of the decade, taking if you take like sort of the Time Magazine sense of of the word, what has been like the product of the decade? No, I, I do by Time Magazine, what I mean is warts and all what has been the one that like would go in in the history books for tech do you think over the last decade let's start with you Emmett
1: this might initially sound like a boring answer but I would probably choose uber given your right. framing in, yeah. in like not necessarily my fi- my personal favorite product yeah. or, or company of the decade although I do think it's an excellent product yeah. when you Step back and think about its impact. It's definitely uh, like the positive side of its impact has been huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Even the product itself is just, is yeah. just really well designed.
1: Uh, uh, even even the app and, and yeah, the experience the app, is yeah. pretty. But, but the other thing is
0: like, whenever there's like any like people questioning Uber, I'm like, do we really think people want to go out and put their thumb out on the street? like right. does anyone want to do that ever again like so clearly <laughs> so no it's
1: definitely a better experience yeah. Like it's getting undeniably a, a experience. superior
0: experience to the but old world
1: I think their impact on like our industry has been fairly outsized I mean there was a, yeah. a couple of years there where you couldn't move for Uber for X mm-hmm. startup pitches right Yeah, um, some of which went but, on to become like billion dollar companies in their own right yeah, right. yeah absolutely yeah, all the food and, and, stuff, yeah.
2: delivery and all, yeah. all the like
1: and that whole category of companies that took products off merely being screen based yeah. and purely digital, and and bringing the digital experience into the real world, and so yeah. on, they're, they're probably also the poster child for like the decade that we've had in tech. Yes, in terms of the hubris, the growth, the yeah. insane valuation, the, the tech it, backlash. I mean, they have been in the company at like the centre of grace, all of that. Rebuild. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, lastly, maybe I think it it's the products that probably still has, in the way the car shaped the twentieth century environment mm-hmm. to such a strong degree. Obviously, Uber are dealing with cars, but like rechanging that, I think yeah. still has the biggest potential, especially when you get onto the self driving stuff. Yeah, to reshape how we live on a day to day basis, it kind of like um,
2: rewired the supply and demand in in the physical world. Yeah, you know, like rewired how that works. Yeah, you know, now, now you're mediating. You know, which was wasn't impossible before. Mediating between mm-hmm. people with a thing and want a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know, U- ushered in the gig economy, yeah, yeah. two sided marketplace type of thing. Yeah, yeah totally. so And then like, so- they even
0: branched out themselves as like Uber Eats, there's like yeah. Uber Freight. There'll be more. Like I'm sure like they're probably going to launch like private jets and shit like that if they haven't already. And um, what about you, Paul? Last ten years.
2: Yeah, my answer in the face it might seem a bit kind of boring too, to be honest. But like I, the, the product that I think is probably the best product I use is Google Maps. And what's interesting to me about Google Maps and thinking about like a product of the decade is that at the beginning of this decade and even the first kind of half of the decade, I remember being like giving conference talks and so on and and showing Google Maps. Mm-hmm. And it was all, all, the whatever I was using it as an example for, it was it was all wayfinding, like street stuff. Like, mm-hmm. wow, look, at here's like street view. And or I would talk about like changes and how people go on holidays or vacation where they literally land in a city having no map, no physical yeah. map, which is like unheard of 10, 20 years ago. No idea where their hotel is. And they just yeah. open Google Maps and off they go. There's the directions, you know. And that was a kind of 10-year-ago story. And yeah. that was a- amazing Impressive. alone. I yeah. say not on the Uber scale, but similar type of like mm-hmm. totally changing how we how we interact with the physical world. And if you fast forward to today, I personally now use Google Maps for a lot of things, you know. Like if I want to find a new restaurant, a little bit like a Google, you know, maybe this mm-hmm. is the marrying of Google search mm-hmm. and Google Maps, like restaurant reviews like if you think like foursquare and yelp and all these things i used to use they're all dead to me it's all google maps they've hundreds of reviews for almost any business not just food like a hardware store you know all sorts of random stuff services everything is true google maps for me
0: then they have all the deep links as well like you can order an uber through google maps you can reserve a scooter through google maps like you can basically take any actions you
1: want like you know that makes sense in the context of a journey yeah which is which is pretty impressive yeah I agree. I think it's a fantastic and fantastically well-designed product. I do wonder how much more functionality it can bear before it collapses under its own weight.
0: Yeah, Because yeah, I always or,
1: find myself when using it in this weird mode of I managed to find my way through it, but I don't have a clear mental model. I'm I'm yeah. discovering, uh, almost every time I'm discovering <laughs> yeah. how to get to what yeah. I want to get to. Yeah. Uh, okay, another right. interesting thing about Google Maps real quick was like I think they uh, have been at the vanguard of a lot of technical innovation over the last decade. Like mm-hmm. about 10 years ago, they were one of the most Kings of Ajax. amazing Ajax yeah. apps, right? Like yeah. dynamic yeah. in the browser apps. Then sometime around the middle of the decade, they switched over to WebGL mm-hmm. away from like static pre-rendering mm-hmm. of tiles yeah. that allowed you to just an amazing technical feat. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that we were talking about earlier, like Figma wouldn't be yeah. happening today, yeah, maybe right. if that hadn't happened or so, certainly it led the way. Yeah. And even now they have, like, the AR street view type yeah, thing yeah. where you can get directions. And so, like, they've been really good at productizing cutting-edge technology yeah, and yeah. making it useful and not just, like, uh, yeah. the hot new, the hot That's new right. like thing. That's
0: right. They have, like, I'm just trying to think, even way back, like, Ajax itself was something like where they they literally changed people's understanding of what was achievable in a browser. Yeah. Like, in, in ways we hadn't seen before. And, and like, uh, right up until the AR stuff, like, they they continue to do it. It's incredible. If I had to pick, I'm kind of stuck between two, I guess. On one hand, I'd say like, I think WhatsApp, but in general, I want to say messaging. Messaging is a little fragmented Mm -hmm. and I want to kind of just say messaging in general. But I think messaging has like been the thing of from a consumer to consumer level of the last decade. Mm -hmm. I think we entered this decade mostly using SMS and we've exited using 27 messaging apps. Whether that's good or bad, I'll leave it to the listener to decide. But I think we have shifted massively towards that. Like WhatsApp is probably the iconic one, specifically in Europe. But you've got iMessage, Snapchat, Facebook Messenger, Inst- Instagram Messenger, Kick, WeChat, Line, etc. Right? There's been no shortage of them. The other one, from a more boring B two B SaaS perspective, I think that has defined so much of what will define the next decade is Stripe. I think their impact on the industry. Uh, is today massively underestimated, and I think um, they've set in, in place a series of changes that I think will kind of define so, software. I, like if you think ten years ago to incorporate a business and start charging credit cards, it would probably those two things alone would probably take you six weeks. Today, it takes you about six minutes with Atlas and Stripe. Mm. They've mm-hmm. like you know if you think of like the the sort of butterfly effect of that massive reduction in pain, and they've also made it possible in countries where it was never possible. And I think like if you play that out over the next decade, I, I I think we'll be looking back at, you know, I think Stripe started in like twenty ten. I think we'll be looking back at their impact as it rolled out over this year. They're now issuing credit cards, they're doing point of sale systems. They're gonna keep going. I I, I really think that we're gonna like we'll look back at this as a sort of, you know, enlightenment of sorts for like for what it, how easy it got to start businesses and we'll I think we'll see the dividends over the next decade.
1: Yeah, I think I think they have had one of the best missions actually of the Decade. If you were to pick that as a very niche category of favorite <laughs> mission of the decade, of the decade. It's a great but their movie. thing is like increase the GDP yeah. of the internet or something like yeah. that, yeah. which is expansive enough to allow them to do like yeah. business in a box or Delaware yeah. incorporated yeah. business in a box and point of sale and and online command line tools for mm-hmm. um, payments and so on. And I, you know, I don't think a lot of other companies have yeah. had that. Maybe like Google had an amazing mission that yeah. that really drove like maybe going a bit further back an incredible decade for them yeah and i think it definitely underscores for me the importance of getting that that right at the start i absolutely agree i think
0: um, i think they're possibly working in one of the last like google sized opportunities mm. uh, that w- that we'll probably see in uh, of this like 10 20 yeah, year mm. period Speaking of decades, though, maybe like maybe let's end on a real good negative note. Uh, what so what does runs every meeting, on exactly. Yeah. Leave everyone demotivated, <laughs> exactly. I know I just gave you exceeded expectations, but um, what about disappointments of the decade? And these can be funny or harsh. Your call. What? Uh, what? Like when you think about like the last ten years in tech, what has not maybe worked out as well as you hoped, Emmett?
1: Have we talked about Slack yet? <laughs> we, I think, I think we, we should. Okay. <laughs> because it's the flip but, side of
2: messaging. If messaging is the
1: right. achievement of the decade, yeah. the
0: over messaging is probably the dark side yeah, of it. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, in many ways, Slack would be, you know, one of my one one of my products of the decade yeah. in that like a uh, uh, brilliant product, so well designed, mm-hmm. generated so much excitement, changed how the, yeah. the way people worked. But you know, looking back on it, I think that they they still have a bit of work to do in in terms of every. I at least got super excited by the like, hey, email kind of sucks, doesn't it? Like, well, yeah. Slack can make it better. Uh, yeah. You have this problem of email, use Slack, and I feel like we all went there, and now you have two problems yeah, like, it's like email and Slack, job, and you're yeah. overloaded yeah. on both. And and they haven't really been able to figure out the information overload problem, yeah. the noise problem, yeah. y- yet at least. Yeah. Uh, I think
2: they're struggling a bit from their success. Like, mm. it's very, very hard to, to, to. I'm sure I'm, I imagine again, like you, I think Slack's, I, I want Slack in my life versus mm-hmm. just email, for example. Yeah. But it's very hard, I imagine, for them to deliberately uh, reduce engagement. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, th- mm-hmm. like that was that's what it would look like on the mm-hmm. metrics, right? It might be a better customer experience yeah. and user experience, and actually just better generally for people's productivity. And yeah. um, but it would look like a reduction. Yeah, you know, and that's what they'd have to do.
1: In in that sense, it's possibly very similar to the time well spent or I forget what the Apple version of it is, but the um, screen time type things that Mm -hmm. are being built into phones now where it's like this implicit uh, admission that like we actually have to get you to use this less for it to be better for your life, which is hard for a company to wrap their heads around that.
0: So I've actually decided I'm going to make sure we finish on happy tones and I'll ask yourself, Paul, and me as well. But like the happy tone here is maybe like what do you hope for Slack? Over the coming decade,
1: I think that in order, I, I just want to say, in order to like cite something as a disappointment, you have to have been really excited about it and yeah. still have some yeah. hope for its future yeah. as well. Yeah. So <laughs> I would love to see them, like I would love works. to get to a point where we don't have to use both email and Slack. They yeah. seem too similar to me to warrant yeah. being separate. And so maybe they need to like morph in that direction. Yeah. I do think Slack has created a large opportunity to yeah. disrupt or, or come up with something that maybe sits in between email mm-hmm. and Slack, whether that's their, their ability to move into that space with someone else's chance should, to move into it. Should they buy a superhuman? <sighs> next topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Paul, what
0: about you? What has been maybe a disappointment or, or uh, of the past decade? What do you hope that will change in the next?
2: I mean, like, like on the Slack thing real quick, I and mean, I can give you another example in a minute on the Slack thing in our in our like you mentioned messaging earlier des like in our personal lives messaging has changed the landscape of humanity mm-hmm. and how we connect with each other like it is you could talk about this for hours it has changed in unfathomable ways like we we i don't think living through this will ever be able to fully comprehend and you can see it play out in politics as so like a sharp edge of this whole thing yeah. you know yeah. um like you know the kind of rise of like you Lots know post truth this kind yeah, of a, yeah. idea right so like messaging has fueled that mm-hmm. and, and so there's a dark side to this too on a whole other dimension but for slack itself you know slack is a lot more like the live chat clients of old than it yeah. is like a modern messenger yeah and clearly email is is a tool that like is kind of outdated in terms of technology yeah. and like you know it doesn't have emoji and like emoji are a very important way because we've so much our expression is non-gestural and blah 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 blah, blah. we just don't write words uh, and so I'd love them to uh, to like really understand like what's the difference between what they have email and in the middle messaging because mm-hmm. I I think there's actually a new product which ideally is a better version of Slack or yeah. there's an opportunity for a new company to really embrace uh, messaging as a concept versus you know live chat
0: yeah
2: and create something that just maps a bit better to how people actually want to communicate yeah I'll give it, you it's a you, distinction
1: there like live chat synchronous versus asynchronous is that what you is that what you mean and that slack doesn't work that well in an asynchronous way
2: yeah and like you know there's a lot of subtlety to this like expectations of reply time how notifications work your know, interruptiveness there's also like just human expectations as well like in the if emma takes a day off
0: i don't feel the need to catch him up on everything that me and you discussed whereas yeah. with slack it's kind of designed that way we're like hey like you you're your first thing in you're gonna probably read the whole backlog of the product design channel see what was going on mm-hmm. or whatever like that's that's just a weird thing that it, that like is both useful and weird, and it just creates this sort of FOMO sense of like, mm. well, I need to like first of all consume all of the diatribes that happened while I was away,
1: mm. or you don't, worse, actually, yeah, Re- or w- read it while I was away, yeah, yeah.
0: even worse, right? Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. So like, yeah, th- there's a lot there. Yeah, one interesting thing for me is again, I like kind of looking back over a decade, and and there's different threads here with Uber too. Like self-driving cars is kind of fascinating to me. If you go back three to five years ago. You know, people were like extremely optimistic with self-driving cars. Like clearly it's going to, it's inevitable, yeah. people would say, and it's clearly better on a whole bunch of dimensions. And, you know, Google have lots of data about like traffic jams and how mm-hmm. self-driving cars will clearly fix that, fix those and blah, 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 blah. And they kind of model it all out through LA and all sorts of places. And, you know, if you kind of fast forward to today, like where are self-driving cars at? So like the technology is there, like the things that exist and they drive around the place by themselves. The error rate is way lower than humans. So it's better, like the data mm. would say it's better. And yet, because there's been, I don't know, what, like three deaths, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe more, like a bunch of injuries, like by any measure, like crazy low, yeah. crazy low. But it was the robots who did it. Yeah. And so mm. suddenly everyone's like, whoa, no, mm. no, no, Cancel whoa, whoa, we can't have that. We can't have yeah. the robots out there driving around our cars on our streets, killing people. So there's a psychology at play. Where things like this and people who are investing in these types of things for the future, really, I think, like underestimate the the impact that like small changes like that can have on. They're like the new shark attacks, like in that in that sense. In like they're like yeah.
0: ridiculously rare, but like massively overpublicized. and as a result, they create they create or, or like a, a, you know generate a lot more like paranoia or fear than yeah. is probably proportionate versus something like just texting and driving. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly there's maybe like a lesson for people making products there as well that like you know they've possibly passed the point of confidence where the biggest challenges for them are technological challenges Mm -hmm. get the thing to drive well in in all these different situations and they're like social acceptance challenges regulatory challenges and then you look at something like facebook and you can draw and and the woes Mm -hmm. that they have endured over recent years and you're like oh it's a similar thing And, and so there's a lesson of like Thinking about the much broader context yeah. in which how do we change um, the narrative or, or like is land, you know? how do we like
0: aggregate the stats of like self driving errors without without any accident like how do we make it really clear to anyone who wants to be paranoid that they can't be because mm. actually these things are massively outperforming humans yeah mm. and
2: just how do we talk about these yeah. things the so technology yeah. like outpaces our ability to mm-hmm. this is what I said we yeah. do not understand the impact yeah. meshing has had on the world yet and won't for 10, 20 years. And our ability, so their ability to not be able to catch up with that, yeah. kind of holds all these things back. So
0: your hope is that we can kind of get a more proportionate sense, or at least accelerate our ability to understand and thus analyze more maturely. What's yeah, I went, happening.
2: kind of went to like a depressing place there. Like, this, yeah, no, <laughs> you know? yeah. I was trying to so put it back. So yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And I hope, though, I hope we just get better at these types of things. That mm-hmm. we, you know, we're in this kind of like, you know, kind of global cycle at the minute between like Brexit and and the U.S. election cycle mm-hmm. and where we're actually learning, you know, independent of how you feel about those things, where, whether you feel strongly one way or the other, and we have millions and millions of people who feel strongly in boat camps, independent of how you feel about it, we're going to learn a lot from this like phase of, of like human life, you know, mm-hmm. because we're going kind to of, kind of come out the other side knowing a lot more about the um, like psychological impact of these technological developments.
0: Yeah, and
2: ideally that will feed back
0: in you know, and make us better. And yeah, the,
2: hope, the hope is that we learn from it as a mm-hmm. society and can actually... Make positive changes and don't get dragged into the the things that kind of our brain, like our kind of old brain, is naturally yeah. uh, like naturally gravitates to kind of fight or flight type mentality. So I'm optimistic. I ho- I'm hopeful that we can actually learn from these things. Well, that okay. would be a small Christmas wish.
0: Uh, all yeah. of society accelerates we check back to in 2030. If, seeing, <laughs> if, 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 if there is a 2030, <laughs> yes. to see if you were right. If, was if a podcast thing? Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Emmett, and happy Thanks, holidays so. to all of our listeners.
1: Thanks for listening to the Intercom on Product podcast. For more content, go to our blog at intercom.com slash blog, or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. This is Intercom on Product.